Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Jared Klim, Belly Up Sports. He got promoted again since the last time we talked. Uh, I guess it's like transferred and stepped up one foot. (laughs) I don't know how it works. Um, Basically, yeah, so um, I'm like somewhere between assistant podcast director and podcast director. I'm somewhere in that range. But, uh, yeah, Belly Up Sports where Jack cut his teeth a little bit, um, where me and him actually met. Uh, I am yes the host of the Corner Booth. Uh, check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Corner Booth Pod. Jack will Jack comes on uh, every other month or so. Every couple months he comes on when uh, me and Kev's shows aren't packed to the damn limit. We haven't had a guest on in three months, so it's been crazy. Uh, I guess yeah, just good to see you again, buddy. It's been a while. We last time we talked, thing was the Skype interv- the Skype review I had with you about like six months ago. That was like the peak of coronavirus. Oh my god! Yeah, no, no. And now I have two stories we can go into today because one's faster than the other. Usually, when I have Jared on the show, we uh, we swap stories, embarrassing stories of one another. We've had a good time. Go check them out. Episodes from nine, ten months ago. Uh, you'll have a laugh or two. Uh, I do want to give credit to where credits due, though, because I did get my start with Belly Up Sports as well as the podcast where kind of all started for me. And you guys uh, finally kicking some doors down with some sponsors. You were telling yeah. me. Uh, shout out to Manscaped, uh, Hop, Hop Sauce, and Breckenridge Brew. Three big sponsors we've got in the past couple of months. Uh, they've been really good with us. Belly Up Fantasy has been kind of like our bell cow back. You know, you got me and uh, you got us. You got a few others who are kind of like the home run hitters, but we're a little inconsistent when it comes to views right now. But, you know, our bell cow has always been Belly Up Fantasy. Those guys, uh, Dan, Chris, and Tom, they're they're the home run hitters. These guys are good. So uh, it's really a team effort. Shout out to Mike and Blaine for uh, kind of leading the way. Yeah, Mike and Blank Belly Up Sports coming in hot. What's your story? What did you do? So I got two. All right, so the day that me and Jack talked last was a. I used to be a podcast development director. So basically, my job was to help improve podcasts. So it was slow. Sports were slow. So my boss says to me, hey, probably might be in our current president's time, KJ. We're like, hey, you should, you know, I kind of we kind of rolled the idea around like they're like hey maybe you should actually do some podcasts or receiving improved pods a little bit so when we get back to sports when they're thinking oh we'll get everything back by July only half but we still got something back so um, basically uh, KJ and I went I started talking to all those shows so one of the last ones was Jack because I know with Jack I can text him and within thirty minutes he's gonna get back to me and his schedule is. Without with COVID was so open that basically I'd say, Hey Jack, you move in nine four like two o'clock in the afternoon because I was at the emergency room. So it was my mother's birthday. She turns fifty-five. Uh, she was enjoying herself, having fun, her and my dad were having margarita, she was having Zoom calls with all her friends, having a great time. So she went to bed, she's very tired. I was absolutely blasted, so was my brother-in-law and my sister, 
we're all sitting there in the kitchen, and I'm scraping off the cheesecake off of the thing with the cheese with a serrated cheesecake spreader. Thing slips, takes a chunk and a half off my finger, about halfway, about eh, about this much down, hanging. My, fu- I'm so drunk, I didn't even realize how much it was bleeding, how much it hurt. I had blood gushing everywhere, and I cleaned it up as much as I can. And my dad, being the survivalist he is, basically strings the, puts on one of those industrial strength band aids, and puts on so damn tight that my finger hurt from the compression, not from the actual cut. So, I don't know, a couple hours pass. I'm, I'm in writhing pain all night. I get up the next morning. I do two meet, two or three meetings before I even go to the emergency room. And I'm trying, you know, I'm trying to be professional here. And so I leave the last meeting, and I have another meeting with a, a wrestling podcast. I'm like, guys, I'm in, the, I'm, in the, I'm in urgent care right now. Give me about an hour to get home. And I told Jack, I'm like, dude, uh, give me about an hour, two hours, and I'll call you back. And so I'm in there, and the guy's looking at me. He goes, buddy, what the hell did you do? I'm like, uh, cheesecake serrator. He goes, you realize you would have lost a lot more blood if your father didn't, like, strap this thing in. I'm like, yeah, you could tell. But like, this was pearl white, bleached, like, bright red. All the blood had stopped here, and it was it was crazy. I had stare, I was able to get stair strips on it, and I was back to work in three days. But so I get on. I said, Jack, I'm like, hey, Jack, guess what? I just chopped my finger off almost. <laughs> Jack's looking at me like, oh, buddy. And it was actually, we had, right? shortest, we had the short, you were honestly my favorite because our meeting took nine minutes. That's how it's done. You do. Yeah, no, I had one meeting yep. with a podcast that still is with us and I'll not be named. It took 45 minutes. I had to get their host's attention back. And they, one of them was slightly condescending to me and then messaged me after because she wanted me to do something for her. So yeah, no, and then I end up dealing with that later. That's a that's a story for off camera. But um, basically, the second story because Jack is a double dip because I love the kids so much. Um, I was going to visit my cousin down in Jersey. Uh, don't worry, I uh, followed COVID rules. There's no travel ban from Connecticut to Jersey yet. Um, two social states together. <laughs> right. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. Um, Jack, being a Jersey native, will get that joke. Yep. I was driving back on 684. It's 84. Anybody knows that ramp is insane. It drops and curves at a 90 degree angle and goes up on the 84. And you really shouldn't slow down or else you're going to get tagged because the on ramp is about the length of a first down. It's 10, it's 10 yards when you have a shot to look at traffic. So I'm driving by three cop, pulled somebody over speeding. I'm, I'm like, you know, I kind of got out of the way, kind of got back in and went off the ramp. Didn't think anything of it. And I saw one of them pull off. I saw two cars get behind me. I'm like, so I'm driving at probably 45, 50 miles an hour and a 55, just trying to see if they'll fly by me and leave them alone. And one of them, flashlight, side of the car, trying to get my attention. I start speeding up, and I thought he was telling me to go faster. Get behind me, lights me up. I'm like, shit. So he pulls me over, and my driver's side window, for the second time in the last year, has stopped working for a completely different part. So knocks on the door. I'm like, officer, window don't work. And he goes, all right, man, the guy's like my age. Um, he goes, all right, cracks the door open a little bit. I'm like, listen, he goes, you okay? You took that corner really wide. I'm like, yeah, sorry. Listen, the hurricanes get my butt, their butt kicked by Clemson right now. And I'm driving myself nuts listening to it. And the steering's a little off in my car. Actually not, not wrong. I got to get suspension fixed. And he goes, all right, well, you got your license registration. I'm like, yeah, right here. I hand it to him, walks away. And he, he walks the other side of the car. Pull the window. I goes, hey, anything wrong with your license? I'm like, I am on probation. 
for the lights. It's not for, you know, jail time. And he goes, all right. So walks away, comes back, go, looks at me and goes, all right, so you want to tell me why you're on probation for your licenses? This is how he wanted to see if I wasn't drunk. So he asked me, I like, I had two beers like four hours ago. So he says to me, I said, oh, my God, I said, all right, so the first one, yada, 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 this, this, and that. My uh, nailed the story perfectly. I was a, I was Jack's age. I was literally going to my second semester of college. Uh, second one, I was just out of college going to a golf event with a coworker. He gunned a red or gunned the yellow. I was half under when it went red, and Dudley Do-Ride was waiting in the gas station at the intersection, pulled right out. And dude was like 28 years old, probably just got his badge. It was just being a total tool to me. And then the second time, uh, I had Kevin Mark blowing my phone up about a podcast scheduling issue, and I'm trying to suck my phone off, and I, I just – the cops saw my finger move when he was hidden in the trees, lit me up, and uh, put me on that put me on uh, probation. So basically, the guy's like, I recite everything. He comes back and goes, "All right, buddy, listen." And I, if I get pulled over, by the way, I lose my license for three months. So it's something I can't afford anymore because I'm trying to get new jobs and get myself out of doing manual labor. So I'm in here having a damn heart attack in my head, but keeping calm in the exterior because it's 10:30 at night. This poor guy is probably almost the end of his shift. The guy's my age, and he's probably freaking out. He's probably just like, oh, I just want to go home. He's pulled somebody over for probably like 95 going up uh, 684. So I'm like, all right, well, I'm trying to be respectful and everything. Comes back and goes, all right, buddy, fine. Just uh, try to stay inside the lines, please. And I'm sitting there like, thank you. Now I really got to go take a shit. <laughs> and the cop just looked at me and just walked away. Oh my god, that that I I usually like get jumpy as hell when I'm around like uh, get, when I get pulled over because I got pulled over four times, no five, technically counting my accent when I was in high school. But I used to be a really bad driver. I actually drive like a grandpa now. I just hit that corner wide because I it was dark and I had my high beams on, but they're not great. So, uh, yeah, that was my two stories. Um, wow. Basically. Like getting nervous, <laughs> yeah. So like that, it's been a weird year for me, dude. I, I I'm still perfect in that uh, general sense. I've never been pulled over. Yeah, knock on some wood right now, pal, because the first time is always the worst time. What happened? Was... What happened your first time? Uh, my first time, I just gotten t-boned in an intersection by three illegal immigrants. I'm joking, by the way. They actually got sent back to Honduras. I think the cop told me, but they had crossed out their names 16 times in the ticket because they kept writing fake names. And the cops couldn't keep them from running, so they locked them in the car they were in and put on the tow truck. 15 years old, I didn't know what the hell was going on. That well, because I think I did on the first time I was. Yeah. Honestly, I may have, yeah, but I've been on your show like five times, so like I probably did tell that story. It's a lot yeah. of great stories to be told. Oh, yeah. Uh, but let me hear uh, this one of yours. I'm kind of excited so, now. You were supposed to start this like 15 minutes prior, so it, it, it's a Tuesday. This is going to air on a Wednesday morning, but it Tuesday at. 8 Eastern, we were supposed to do this, right? Yeah. And you texted like about five minutes before saying, hey, can we do 8.15 instead? I got to go get something to eat, which triggered my stomach and thinking, yeah, I should get some food too. Uh, so you gave me that 15-minute window there, and luckily it turned into some great content here because I uh, I go out of my dorm room. I go to the Habit Burger. I don't know if you're familiar with that. That's, a, that's, a, that's an Arizona thing, right? That is a West Coast joint for sure. Jack in the Box, In-N-Out Burger, things of Listen, that nature. I love Jack in the Box. I, I, I know In-N-Out Burger. I'm not completely illiterate about West Coast burgers. So, so the Habit Burger, uh, I, I get there, I order my food, and the waitress just asked me for my name, my order, you know, whatever, standard stuff. Yeah. And 
at that point, she's like waiting for my receipt to uh, to come out of the thing, and it got stuck or whatever. You know, like I don't know if you've ever been a cashier and you had this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Those those things can jam because the paper is like garbage. Yeah. Right, it happens every once in a while. So at that point, it's like really awkward. Like I'm like at this point, I don't really need the receipt, but she's like continuing to just kind of like awkwardly chat me up, just like so. How you doing? Uh, what's your name? I'm like, I'm Jack. Uh, nice to meet you. Whatever. And uh, she keeps asking me stuff like the typical like freshman in college thing where you ask like their name, their major, where they're or, from. Like talking to the cute girl at a, at, at a bar that you just talked to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's just getting like to the point where it's just really awkward. I just want my receipt and I want to wait in line. Yeah. Uh, but at this point, I'm like, all right, I'll give in. And I just start asking her questions, too. Just like, oh, where are you from? Oh, that's nice. Great. Uh, you like working here? She's like, oh, not really. You know, uh, you know, just need the money and whatever. And then I said. So what are you doing after this? And just, you know, just making casual conversation. You know where I'm going with this. She she took it as you know like yeah, oh, you asking her out. Like, yeah, exactly. Which I, I don't do. I I just wouldn't do that. And um, I've done it before. That's how, that's how she took it. And I guess she has a boyfriend. She's like, oh, I'm flattered, but uh, I have a boyfriend and all this stuff. And there's like a giant group of guys behind me. Just like I could hear them snickering behind me. I'm just like, what? I'm like, what? No. No, that's not what I meant. I like started making a big deal about it. I'm just like, oh, you were making conversation with me. I was just making conversation with you. She's like, it, it, it's okay. It's fine. Here's your receipt. And the receipt comes out and she gives me the receipt. Everybody's laughing at me at Habit Burger. It was, it was a big mistake. Big misunderstanding that made me look like a complete doofus. Well, and that's yeah. what I got for you wanting to get a snack. Uh, uh, I actually had a full meal because I hadn't eaten anything except for a protein shake since about noon, so I was starving. So there's your answer. Oh, my God. All right. Well, hey, listen, man. I've, I've been in that situation before, so it happens. But uh, you yeah, have that I'm exact situation? Similar situation, except across the beer pong table at the bar was her boyfriend. But me and my best friends at the time who were there at the bar, like, we were double the size of her boyfriend. And he was talking smack because she was my beer pong partner. Oh, and wow. he was getting really jealous because I'm automatic when I get to a certain level of um, intoxication. Um, so it, it, it got into one of those, like, I have a boyfriend. I'm like, that's him, right? And he goes, yeah, dude, that's me. And I'm like, oh, I do not want to deal with this right now. Not that I didn't want to start a fight because all the bouncers at that bar I lift with. Not even kidding. Like, they all were, like, dapping me up when I was walking to the bar. My buddy's like, you know all these guys? I'm like, they go to our gym, dude. And so, but it, that, I've had that situation before. Like, I was like, I'm flattered. I actually was asking her. I was even trying to just make conversation. And I, I once said, that's my boyfriend right there. I'm like, yikes. Awkward as hell. And then he made it more of a situation than it had to be. So. So you want to start talking about sports? Yeah, I was going to say, like, I, I, honestly, I'm, like, trying not, like to try to swing this back so we can, uh, you know, actually talk sports for the first time today instead of like all our great stories. Cause I think I'm 25 years old, four years of college, three years post. I've got stories for days. All of our degrading stories that make us look like yeah. shit. Yeah, sometimes like shit, sometimes like a hero. It depends on what way you tell it. I like that. I'm going to write that one down. I'm a man of many quotes, Jack. So I think the world series is going on right now. Rays Dodgers first time ever. It's like the first time in six, seven years since 2013 since both teams with the best records from each league made it to the World Series. I don't know how much of it you've been following since the D-backs once again got <laughs> snubbed from the postseason, even though more than half the teams in the league make it. Okay, first of all, we can talk D-backs baseball. I don't want to. Let's just put it this way. Um, our 
team didn't get what we were the hottest team in baseball going into the mid August. And then we got swept by the A's in our entire season, just unraveled in a matter of seconds. Um, but our three biggest prospects came up and they played phenomenal. So I am very excited about that. Uh, I guess the only thing is really for me for, um, for baseball right now is of course, Jack, you know how much I hate and despise the LA Dodgers. The only team I in sports, I hate more than them would be the Clemson Tigers or the Florida State Seminoles. But I will say this. I think the Rays are just, it just feels right with them going to the World Series. Knocking out your Yankees, I'm sorry, but the fact that Garrett Cole makes the same amount as their entire payroll makes me so happy as a mid-market team fan. And it's not even like, I don't really hate the Yankees. I actually hate the Red Sox a lot more because at least Yankees fans are respectful to other fan bases, mostly except for Boston. Red Sox fans just hate everybody. They're like the Eagles fans, but they don't have the class of being equal about it. Red Sox fans just hate more others than others. And Red Sox have a very nice reputation, if you know what I mean. But when I look at the Dodgers, they are the team that money built. And even worse than the Yankees teams of when we were kids, the Teixeiras, the A-Rods, the Sabathias, because at least there was some homegrown talent on that team. Besides Kershaw and Muncie and I guess I'd say Bellinger, you even throw Peterson in there too, but I don't even, like, he's been average. Every, it just feels like a team that got slapped together with some duct tape and Dave Roberts is just pulling the strings like a master puppeteer. I'm just like, and maybe it's because I'm in the division. I'm just sick of seeing them winning every damn year and then choking it away in the playoffs and an American League team winning almost guaranteed when they make it. But I don't know. I, I, I got a good vibe off this race team. They just are the scrappy underdog. They have one ace, I, two if you want to count Snell, but I love Glasgow. That dude can throw gasoline with a dangerous breaking ball. Um, I, I'm a big Blake Snell guy, as you well know. Um, I just love the fact that like they're doing this. It would have been great if like they brought back Longoria at the deadline just to have on the roster for this. But I still love the story behind this team. I love the group of almost nobodies that they have, at least when it comes to a casual baseball fan. And it makes me so happy because I love seeing the little teams win. Like when uh, Kansas city won in 2015 and they beat the Mets and like, I swear to God, Jack, I, go, I went to school in the Northeast. I saw Met, people wearing Mets jersey. I didn't even know knew what baseball was. I've known these people for years. I'm just like, you want a Mets jersey? Like, yeah. I'm like, I guarantee you bought that at Bob's two hours ago. I said it under my breath. And I walked away. I'm like, all right, like you guys are ridiculous. But it really turns into like with the Rays. Like, so by the way, my boy Kev dropped a great shirt on Bob's website, America's team. I'm not trying to plug it. All I'm saying is they are America's team because nobody wants to see the LA Dodgers win unless you're in LA. I don't even think half of LA wants the Dodgers to win because they're so happy about the damn Lakers winning. So I think it really comes down to can Tampa Bay's pitching staff stifle the Dodgers enough in their lineup to take advantage of the fact that all their pitchers choke in the postseason. I mean, I guess we'll find out tonight with Clayton Kershaw. He's always been their one bugaboo in the in the playoffs, dude. Oh, I'm so excited because I despise best, Clayton Kershaw. Best pitcher in baseball. You pay him all this money. He's your franchise player, yet he can never come up in a big game. Down 2-1 to one to the Braves in game four of the NLCS. 
chokes again. They go down 3-1. They didn't even use them in the next three games to win that series. Uh, I mean, I I look at this whole series from top to bottom. And like I said before, it comes to it's going to come down the bullpen. Basically, the Dodgers survive off smacking the daylights out of everybody. They got lucky because the Braves, I think, are the only bigger choke artists than they are. I said we had um, a buddy of ours who's a Rays fan on. He's actually joining Belly Up. Our buddy Cruz, he uh, he's getting his own show. But me and he, uh, he was on me and Kev's pod, me and Kev's pod, and we were, he was talking. We were talking baseball, and he goes, "Yeah, well, somebody's got to win because the Braves choke and the Dodgers choke. Somebody's got to choke less than the other team, and it turned out the Braves just choked more." So I think it was Dan Quinn wearing the uh, Braves hat. Actually, I think that's what did it. But, you know, um, right now I'm just I think 90 percent of baseball fans are like, God, for the love of can just the Rays win? Because except for like the, the grumpy Red Sox fans who want to see Mookie get another Mookie get another title and select Yankees, Orioles and Rays fans. I think nobody actually gives a shit if the Rays win. They just don't want to see the Dodgers win because. I don't think most baseball fans want to see a team that just slap their team together with a giant payroll win a series. It just almost feels like the whole evil empire thing. But at least you Yankees have finally started putting homegrown talent in your farm system. The thing I'll say about the World Series is that, yeah, I'm one of those Yankee fans that doesn't really care. Like, the Rays, if they win, great for them. They deserve it. You, you mentioned the payroll differences. Like, outstanding. Randy or Ros Arena, like, who the hell are you? De- deported from Cuba, uh, he took a, uh, a boat over to Mexico, 50-50 chance of him surviving, survives at the age of 21, ends up uh, becoming the ALCS MVP. Uh, he's been kicking ass all postseason long. It's like he's homering every single night, honestly. And they never have any uh-huh. offense, too. This is the first series all postseason long where there's going to be no – or there's going to be scheduled off days. So, like, the, those series both went games to Game 7, NLCS and ALCS. Both those series were seven days in a row, Monday through Sunday. Which I think they had to do because they're running. They're running on time. It's the twentieth tomorrow, right? I mean, you're technically like in a bubble, right? Like they were playing the ALCS in San Diego, uh, and all series were at Dodger Stadium, and then in Texas. Now the World Series is in Texas at the new Globe Life Field, which looks phenomenal. I might add. Oh, I'll wait to go there for the first time. We'll see when that happens. To me, like having that off day now, it, it's going to recharge both teams. Now, I, I don't necessarily think that there's an advantage on either side. Like you said, could come down to the bullpens. Going to come down to the starting pitching as well with Glass now and Snell at the top for Tampa. We'll see what Clayton Kershaw does tonight. It's happening right now as we speak. Uh, and again, they didn't go to him in those three games, which I think is just like that shows how much confidence that they have in him. So I think I think this is finally the time for the Dodgers to see whether or not Clayton Kershaw can pull it off in a big game to get them that first World Series title in 30 plus years. To me, that's the only reason why I'd want the Dodgers to win is because three or four years you go to the World Series and you don't win one. That makes you three quarters of the way to the Buffalo Bills back in, back in the early 90s. Right. Well, as a Diamondbacks fan, you know how much I love to see the Dodgers suffer. So, like, I'm I'm all for I'm all on the race train. Obviously, <laughs> I see that. I I really want to see the Rays put up a fight because I feel like they've been that team. Like they they were the best team in the American League, right? But there's been so many teams that, like, timing was there for them. Nobody expected them to do great, and they were the best team in the league. Then come playoffs. Nothing happens, right? I mean, we've seen that yeah. with the Dodgers too. 
The Rays uh, are dying back to 17. They got hot at the end of the year. They made the playoffs, and the Dodgers smacked the daylights out of them. Right, so like going into this postseason, I'm like, I, I really am not intimidated by the Rays at all. Uh, they sweep the Blue Jays, which no shocker there. Uh, I knew the Yankees series was going to go to five. I'm like, Derek Cole in a game five, I like our chances. And he pitched his heart out, probably the best performance he's had all year. We just didn't score any runs because that's just typical Yankee fashion. You know, we just couldn't get the job done. Uh, so that, that impressed me. And then you go up 3-0 against Houston. I'm like, okay, they're the real deal. And then you almost blow that entire series. You lose three straight. I'm like, you're really going to let the Houston Astros, like the villain of sports right now, given everything that they did with their whole cheating scandal with the sign stealing and the trash cans, you're going to make them the second team in baseball history to erase a 3-0 deficit. And then they're going to go to the World Series. I would have loved to see an Astros Dodgers rematch. I think that would have been poetic justice of the Dodgers. Well, I would have had the role for the Astros or like just for the World Series to be canceled. At that point, like, I just couldn't do it. Just for storyline purposes, though, Houston, L.A. in the rematch, everything that went down, like, that, that'll that sell. Well, Jack, as broadcasters, you and me both know, it's like you want the stuff that's going to be good ratings. So what would I rather have? Would I have, like, would I rather have, um, I, I don't know, Steelers versus, for the Super Bowl this year, would I rather have Steelers versus, like, the Seahawks again, where it's going to be Big Ben versus, like, Luckily for us, the NFL right now, because I guess we're going to transition to NFL news after this, but, like, luckily in in the NFL, each team has a storyline. So, like, let's say it's Philadelphia, Baltimore. So, because, like, your Cowboys, God bless your your team, your fan base, but... We'll get into it. Yeah, no offensive line, Dak, whatever. Like, Wentz, Jackson, that's instantly a a storyline. You go uh, Chiefs versus... um, I don't know, Seahawks. You have the two best quarterbacks in the league going at it. Or Ravens Seahawks. It, it's it's there's always a storyline where like in baseball right now, you have you're trying to put together a storyline of a team that basically has nobody and a bunch of no names and a, a guy who's dominant in glass versus literally a team that's so loaded up with talent, it looks like the old MLB the show roster they used to make on my PS2 back in the day. Yeah. So I it it's I guess the David versus Goliath theme works, but I do see your point about Houston. But at the same time, nothing made me feel better than watching the fight all the way back. And then what? 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 And that was a very unentertaining game seven too. The Dodgers Braves game, hell of a game. That, that was probably oh, yeah, the best. No, the Dodgers, I kept well, going back to it, but once I I was I think when was the uh, the uh, what's it called game was on Sunday, right? Hmm. Yeah, I was watching Brady kick the snot out of Rodgers. I could care less about the freaking about the. I knew that once the Rays got a lead, they got it. So like, I really wasn't really worried that much. But like, I don't know. Uh, baseball this year has been disappointing. So we'll use. I want to use this since you brought it up. Uh, watching the the Bucks Packers game on Sunday because I think this is fascinating as an aspiring broadcaster. So Joe Buck had to call the NLCS between the Dodgers and the Braves, right? So that's. Six days in a row, he's calling Braves Dodgers. He, mm-hmm. he couldn't call Game Seven because he had to go. He had his uh, uh, obligation was to call Bucks Packers for the NFL Game of the Week uh, yeah. in May. So that's seven straight days at six MLB games, NFL game. Then he had football last night as well, right? For Monday night, there was a yeah. Game he on- had uh, Monday afternoon. He had a uh, Buffalo versus uh, uh, KC. So that's. Eight days in a row, 
six MLB, two NFL, back for the World Series tonight and tomorrow. Then Friday, he has, I, I, I'd have to pull it up, but he has 18 consecutive days of broadcasts. He's, He's in the voice of shy. But at the same time, that's why he gets paid the big bucks. As much as people rip on Joe Buck, no pun intended for the bucks and butt whatever, um, I honestly, I love the emotion he calls games behind. One of my favorite calls of all time was the Minneapolis miracle with Diggs because that's just raw emotion coming out of him. There, there's no, like, fakeness to it. There's no, like, like the only guy who I think calls him football with more emotion than him is um, Marv Albert or Kevin Harlan, I mean. That's it. That's the only person who I'd ever rather hear call a football game on a TV screen for. Like, everyone, like, rips on Collinsworth and Michaels. I love hearing them, too. I'm not a big Romo and Nance guy because it's too mellow for me. Like, Jim yeah. Nance is great in the NCAA tournament because it's a very calm, collected game for most of the, most of the game. Yeah, and it gets a little dicey. But with Buck, this is why he's – as much as people hate him, this is why he's one of the best because he's been doing this for so long, and he's doing an entire NLCS. Oh, Sunday, Sunday afternoon game of the week. Oh, and then he's going back to the World Series, and then he's got another game of the week next week because CBS can't pick a good game to save their life at a 425 slot. So I, I think for guys like you and me, you, I feel like, would be more – I did play-by-play in college. I liked it. I did basketball and football. It was fun. But to me, I'd rather talk about it the next day. I'd rather enjoy the game with my actual eyes and get a good analysis of it instead of me being a film guy as you've like always heard the stories from me watching draft tape until my eyes bleed. Right. But I feel like if you, like if you want to go down this road for broadcasting, I guess the best thing is you just got to like take it with the punches. Like enjoy the fact that he's, I think Joe, even to how many years he's been doing it is still enjoying the fact that he's witnessing history. Every call he makes. Oh yeah. He calls the biggest games in sports. That has to, that definitely has to improve your motivation for wanting to call it that night after literally a couple hours of sleep, maybe. I don't I don't even know how much he's eating in these next five well, weeks. And he's probably shoving down protein bars and shakes and pre-cooked meals and stuff like that, like in the booth, like during halftime, but or during like the seventh inning stretch, but that's all he can do really. It's you know, it, this is what you sign up for being a broadcaster. And that's kind of why I started going away from play by plays, because like to be honest with you, I'd rather talk about it the next day. I'd rather interview the guy when they're not, you know, like suffer from dehydration and like like or and like have a possible injury, the raw emotion. I want to talk to them with a level head so I can get a concise answer. Whereas with these guys like Buck and Aikman and John Smalls, they're doing it because they love watching the game live and talking about it live. Or personally, I like peace and quiet when I'm watching it live and then talking about it the next day. I mean, to your credit, though, what you said before about him calling all the big games, like that makes it more exciting for him because he's calling the biggest games of the week in the NFL. So uh, that preparation alone probably takes weeks, but like it's still exciting. Like you're not calling uh, an Eagles-Cowboys game, for instance, you know, in, in 2020. But for MLB as well, like it's an everyday thing. So like whatever you talked about last night, you're probably going to talk about a lot the next day. So like baseball, I feel like is a lot easier for him. The only thing is that it's 18 days in a row and you're literally going to lose your voice. Like your voice is going to be hoarse as hell. He's going to, he's probably going to have like a lozenge in his bag by the end of the night. Like, so I don't know, hopefully for his sake, it's a short series. 
I mean, props to him, though. Like, to me, Joe Buck, uh, I mean, people give him a ton of shit. I do firmly believe he's the best broadcaster in sports, hands down. I would still think the top three. I could never really name a top one, but, like, he's definitely the consummate professional. And honestly, emotion-wise, he's the best. And congrats to he, what, he got inducted in the Pro Football Hall of Fame? Uh, no. Pro broadcast, uh, professional, I think it was broadcasters all of them. Yeah, but I, I remember they, they kept saying, like, you're going to Canton for something. Like, it wasn't well, like the, uh, maybe they're inducted for, like, the broadcasters hall of fame for football. I don't, I don't know. I'd have to get clarification on because I heard them talking about it during the game, too. But, yeah, and it was, uh, inducted in the pro football hall of fame. So it is pro football. There you go. Points his dad, Jack Buck. So again, congrats to him. He he actually came out with a book called The Lucky Bastard. Yeah, Lucky Bastard. Great book. If you ever want to get into that, but let's get into the NFL since we already mentioned them. Uh, Cowboys, Eagles. What do you want to start off with first? All right, we'll start with Eagles quick. Um, I listen to my show later, guys. If you want to? I have a great take about Max Kellerman, uh, aka Carson Wentz's number one hater, because your boy Skip Bayless has started to jump on the Wentz wagon a little bit. Because I think now seeing what the Cowboys are going through, the lack of offensive line, no quarterback, the head coach is not calling the game right. Like he's starting to see it's not always, uh, you know, five all pros and three like solid receivers and an all pro running back. I mean, what Wentz did was basically dealt with two drop touchdowns from Sanders and John Hightower in the first half and missed field goal from Jake Elliott. Then gets the ball back. Sanders breaks an 85-yarder, fumbles, gets his knee hurt. Arcega Whiteside jumps on the end zone. And then Carson decides, hell, I don't care who's the other quarterback. I'm coming back. So a Travis Fulgham and Josh Coates touchdown later. Then he punches one himself. And now we're looking at it, a two-point conversion away from tying it. Oh, God, it's like history all, all over from his rookie year when they lost on a two-point conversion. What happens? They look, bad play called, they lose. Honestly, the best I felt after an Eagles win since I was 2016. Because we get Dallas Goddard and Jalen Rieger back this week, Deshaun Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey possibly, Avante Maddox maybe. Um, our offensive line keeps getting better and better each week. Uh, I mean, last week was bad, but I think also last week was just a matter of the fact that Baltimore's came out attacking us. We kept, we held Pittsburgh to only four sacks, which is saying much, but honestly, it's better than getting like sacked seven or eight times. Um, no Sanders this week is going to be rough, but the Giants' defensive line's atrocious, so it's fine. Um, the Cowboys, though, buddy, it's going to be a long one for you guys, but the good news is you guys can get a draft pick in a very yeah, loaded I draft class. We always say that, and then somewhere along the line, week 12, week 13, week 14, we rattle off a couple of wins, and the next thing you know, we're like right in the middle where it's like but we just I want to ask you, how is that possible? I'm not trying to not like knock them on jinx like anybody. But here's the thing. It's like also this, this reminds me so much of the year you guys had, uh, went and got Zeke in 2015. Um, everything just seemed raw. Everything. Cause here's the problem. I don't care how good your receiving core is. When Zeke takes games off periodically, like he did last night, your secondary can't catch a cold, much less stop a defense. I think I think Kyler Murray's completion percentage was like less than 50 last night. And it just it looked rough. This is how I felt in 2012 when our entire team got hurt. And I the problem really isn't even your players, Jack. The issue is with the head coach. Jerry it Jones chose McCarthy issue. It is a big Mike McCarthy issue. 
Mike Nolan is not a good defensive coordinator. He shouldn't have brought him in. Kellen Moore, good offensive coordinator. I, I'm not going to put him in the same class as the play callers like Peterson or McVay or Shanahan, but it, he's at least a good offensive coach. He's good enough. He's young as hell. He'll be great by the time he's 40. Here, the issue is, is that McCarthy, I don't think is he, he he's been trying so hard to show you he's all about the analytics when he's coaching. But the problem is analytics don't always win you a football game. Just ask Doug how that went on Sunday. But you win some, you lose some. It's how you balance analytics versus just what you see on game film. So the Arizona Cardinals have aggressive, an aggressive secondary and okay but they're going to beat you by slinging the rock and run the ball with between Edmonds and uh, Drake. It's not rocket science. You know what they're going to do. And Kyler Murray is a scrambler, but it just seemed like the Cowboys were lost. And the problem is that Andy Dalton, you cannot run the same offense as you can with Dak. Yes. Their arm strength and accuracy skills are pretty similar, but Dak has an air of mobility and toughness, at least pre ankle injury. God hope he gets better. Cause I don't want to say that to anybody, but what Andy Dalton does not have that mobility. I think I ran a faster 40 time than Andy Dalton was in college. I'm not even kidding. I have to look that up. But I seriously think, cause I ran a fast one on Brady. At least I know that, but in Foles. but I think because Dalton has never been known as a runner. So no. to me, it comes down to can Kellen Moore adjust, but the problem is your schedule is only going to get worse. I, I remember looking at this at the beginning of the season. Minkab predicted every schedule, plot by plot. My Eagles luck out because they have two more hard games the entire year. Three if you count Arizona. They get Green Bay and Green Bay, but we always play them hard. If we have Sanders back, like it's a it's a it's a problem for Green Bay. They can't stop the run, and we rush the pass. We just do the same thing Tampa did, and they're in trouble. And with Darius Slay covering Devontae Adams, I'm not as worried as I was last year when I watched him basically bully our secondary for three quarters. Arizona is the thing that might be a problem because that's going to be a shootout. And if we can keep scoring, we might be okay. And the last one was uh, Cleveland. But they proved we might be a better team because we dropped 30 on Pittsburgh with no weapons except for the emerging stud that is Travis Fulgham. I could go on hours about why this kid is a freak of nature. I don't know how he's been cut twice, but I'm not, that's, a, that's a story for another time. That's Jared getting into his film. Watching film on this kid's phenomenal, by the way. His route running is precise. But, um, so yeah, we luck out. But you guys get five teams that were ex-playoff teams from last year. On top of the fact you guys have to go on the road a lot, and now you don't have Dak Prescott for the season, plus your offensive line is basically done. So, it's not even that you guys may be able to pull out a win or two because any given Sunday, right? But I think honestly for you guys with no Dak and are you guys going to pay him next year? Is he going to be back for next year? I honestly think for the smartest thing for the Cowboys is maybe just take an L this year. If Philly Rob, Rob, runs so already, Philly Rob, the season was nailed before he got hurt. It was all going. Yeah, I know. It was all, we barely beat the Giants. We give up 49 yeah. points to the Cleveland Browns. I don't care if they're four and two. You give up 49 points. They're not a good four and two team though. They caught you with your pants down. They were, they exposed the fact that your secondary couldn't cover me and you running routes. No. It's so the problem is you, t you take on, all right, they play Philadelphia in two weeks, right? So 
In two weeks, Philadelphia goes to Arlington, I believe. Or they might come to Philadelphia. I don't even know. Who cares? It's not going to matter. You get Sanders back healthy, Goddard's healthy, Rieger's healthy, Ward, Fulgham, and possibly Jeffrey. And Lane Johnson will be back. That's going to be a slugfest. If you guys can't score points, I don't feel like I put you away early. Because you guys can't stop the run clearly. And the biggest thing kept keeping us alive against Pittsburgh until Wentz woke up, or at least the play calling woke up, because I, I can't really blame Wentz for half these freaking pass calls are making the RPOs aren't working Doug stop but basically Sanders is 85 yard touchdown run against the Steelers and then his 85 yarder that got recovered in the end zone by Whiteside were basically what broke the games open for us offensively Sanders is the key to our offense against good teams because he is such an explosive running back like he's explosive to the level of a Drake a Barkley a Camara where he can literally put his foot in the ground if you miss He's off the race for 60 yards and he's got good enough ball carrier vision. He's going to get another 20 on top of what you'd originally get with an average running back. So with the Cowboys, I think the biggest thing for right now is like, Hey, is Justin, where's Justin Fields going to fall? I'm being dead serious. Tell CD to work on his route running. Tell Amari, take a couple plays, games off, whatever. Tell Layton to not rush his injury. Tell Jalen Smith to be careful and try to see if you can deal one, somebody for maybe a Gallup, for a corner for a draft pick. So you can go get a corner late in the first round and get fields first. That would be the smartest thing for Dallas and tell Mike McCarthy, get the hell out of town. That's how you fix Dallas. How many years did he sign for? I feel like I, I should know that. Just, yeah. I, I thought it was a three year deal, right? It's like two or three years. It wasn't like a huge contract. I think, I think Jerry to all his credit was hoping there was a shot. Lincoln Riley or Dabo might be persuaded and Dabo might come out now because Clemson, yes, they smacked the daylights out of Georgia Tech, and them and the refs beat the hell out of beat Miami. I wouldn't say beat the hell out of them because that game was a lot closer than the score entitled. Watching on a film, Miami was like right there. Like the referees were awful in that game, but I digress. Um, with Dallas, I guess the biggest thing is just like, hey, just ain't no shame taking a tank. We tanked, we got uh, Lane Johnson out of it. And the next time we tanked at all, we kind of just like gave up on the season. When we gave up on our coach, we got Carson. So it it really comes down to what do you want to give up? And the next time we kind of just had our dev season, we got Derek Barnett out of it. So I think the best thing is for Dallas is just say, Hey, listen, for the first time in a while, we're going to be garbage and we have to accept it for at least a season. I think if they get Justin Fields in the draft, I am a lot more. Cause here's the problem, Jack, Daniel Jones sucks. Dwayne Haskins sucks. The only good thing on Washington is their pass rush. The only good thing on New York is their running back who they're going to drive into the ground with impeccable prejudice. So the thing is, if you're Dallas or Philadelphia, if, you, if you're one of those teams, you have a rough start to the season. Philadelphia, the problem is their quarterback's still alive and they still got to pay for four more years. I say if I'm Dallas, you cut bait with Dak. You give him a great recommendation to Jacksonville or Chicago or like New England or wherever and say, Hey, listen, this guy will be great when he gets back healthy. He's a great leader. He's a great, he's a solid, he's a solid thrower of the football, solid B plus thrower. And he's a good, he's mobile enough and he's a good leader. And yeah. honestly, that's better than 15 quarterbacks that are starting right now. I would take Dak over about 15 quarterbacks, possibly 12, possibly 18, depending on how I feel about certain quarterbacks, certain days. If the ankle heals completely, I'm fine with it. 
So I wanted to, uh, on that topic of Dak, you, you saw what Skip Bayless said about him after he came out with like his whole mental health thing, right? Yeah. Cause I did not. And then I, I was a little, I've, gotten, I, I've gotten the cliff notes on it, but like, I wanted to get your take on that because I'm sure you saw it and kind of had your take on it as well. In well, the corner. somebody who's had experience with the whole mental health issues with friends, family, personal, whatever. I've been very close to it. I I've seen it firsthand and it's not something to man up about. And it's something that in society right now, men, especially regardless of race, race, creed, ethnicity, sexual orientation, we have to be like a lot of us are taught to be stern and taught to be tough guys. And, you know, I was raised to be somewhat of a, you know, outdoorsman tough guy. I grew up in a rural town in Connecticut. I've been splitting wood with an axe since I was nine years old, shoveling snow in a blizzard while my friends were sitting inside eating hot cocoa and getting ready for the school bus on a delay. But here's the thing is like also made me a better guy for it. I've been doing manual labor since I was 15. But at the same time, I also played four years. I've played four years of varsity ball for high school. Started the last year and a half-ish. And the thing is like, you know, you're in those all those environments. You're really not taught to be a you know open up about things. Even if you date a girl or a guy, whatever your preference is, you're really even taught at that point. You're kind of just supposed to kind of bottle it away, not talk about it. And for so a big prominent athlete with a lot of endorsements and a lot of publication, like the Dallas Cowboys starting quarterback, Mr. Dak, Mr. Dakota Prescott, you honestly have a platform to do some good change. And I gained a lot of respect for Dak for that, for what he said when I let it settle in. Cause usually when I see something about Dak, I just roll my eyes, but this time I actually listened and I was like, Oh, you know, good friend. And then I saw what skip said. And then I saw cancel skip Bayless was trending on Twitter. So I watched it and I thought I could not believe if I was in Shannon's shoes, I would have smacked him across the table. And I'm not a very violent guy, especially in public. Um, you know, playing sports is a different story. I can get a little violent when we're playing tackle football, but that's kind of a different. That's that's kind of an old instincts kind of thing. What I'll say is, is that what he said about being tough, about being a leader, about being the quarterback of America's team. Dude, nobody gives a fuck about your team. Nobody gives a shit about your team. I'm sorry for cussing. You can probably edit this out, right? But nobody gives a hell about what you think, Skip. The fact that this man showed enough courage to come out and say, Hey, I was dealing with this. I just lost a family member. Dude. I have friends and family who have just lost family members too. I lost one. I was 20 years old. A person was very close to me. It's not easy. And so people handle death differently. People handle it. Some people try to fix their lives. Some people spiral into depression. Some people turn to the bottle as I take a sip of beer. Amen, brother. Yeah, as that one's done, I gotta go new one after the show's over. Um, but at the end of the day, talking about it, I went to therapy for it yeah. in college. I saw a therapist about like losing my grandfather. Suddenly, it was like I saw him on Christmas, and then I talked to him once in January, and then boom, he's dead in two weeks. And I'm just sitting there like, what's going on? And then I had to watch my friend's kid pass away from cancer at 23. It's stuff you can't underestimate because I had to watch a little kid who wasn't going to get the same experiences I did in life lose the battle. And his kid was fighting harder than Ali in, in, in the thrill of Manila. So to me, 
seeing a guy like Dak who just lost somebody that close to him open up and say, listen, I'm not okay. I was not okay. I never experienced it like before. The dude lost his mom, and he said he never felt like this before. That's terrifying. So I guess the, the long and short of it is with Skip Bayless, I don't know how he still has a job. I can definitely see that he's definitely had a little bit of a muzzle on him since then because all of his takes have just been eh. No outrageous shit. Nothing crazy. Nothing like that was so out of control that I'm like, how is he even still have a job? Or this has got to be staged, these takes. Max Kellerman is taking that mantle because I, I swear Fox Sports, Fox management said, like, you can't say that, man. You're on thin ice because his contract's up at the end of this year. Because ESPN's first big, big exodus with um, all the people like Coward and um, Skip coming over, Chris Carter and all the bunch, they all their contracts are Collins got renewed, I believe, because, mm-hmm. you know, it's still the highest rated sports talk show on, in America. So. At least podcast wise, <laughs> between podcast and live stream, whatever. But thing is, like, I don't know. It just it put a really bad taste in my mouth. And for the, I'm like, I never thought I'd, I never thought I'd see the day Dallas Cowboy fans would call for the cancellation of their patron saint. So, uh, I it was just an odd experience. It was an odd thing for me. And I, I didn't talk about this in months actually because I think what happened two months oh, it happened like what like training camp. Yeah, this happened a good month or two back. No, 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 no. I want to say like week two, week three, something like that. Yeah, so, okay, about, about a month ago. Games had started. I, I just didn't know exactly what he said about it. Because, like, there's no way he's just gone through 50, 60-plus years of his life just scot-free of any mental issues whatsoever. Like, what a naive thing. He was awful lost, too. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Did Shannon Sharp put him in his place after that? I feel like I don't know because it was. I think either they went to break or they changed topics. It was only the clip I saw. I never watched the whole show because I really don't watch first. I really don't watch Undisputed that much. I only watch first take just to see my boy Danny O give yeah. Max Kellerman the business. That's about it though. But all those talk debate shows are garbage anyway. So <laughs> I guess uh... that's all I got. That's all I got, man. About that. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree with you. It's not something to take lightly. I don't know what. Again, I just don't understand how he could be so naive about it. Like, there's, there's got to be like he's had to have situations, especially to get to where he's at today. Some hard oh, yeah. times, you know, like between him and his wife Ernestine, something had to happen in their families. Like, it's not like a complete like. There's got to be something there, and at the same time, it's like I would just use the term ignorant. I wouldn't even use the term like just oblivious. I'd use the term ignorant. Yeah, I mean, I don't get it, uh, but that's something I just wanted to get your take on because I know you probably saw it. I didn't, and like I to this day, I've never seen the actual take on Undisputed. I'm sure Shannon Sharp put him in his place. If not him, he then he probably signed off camera or something because it. I don't know if they, there wasn't any like yelling or. I don't think there was anything on camera because it would have been bigger news, but. I do think Shannon said something to him off camera because he, he came back and Skip was just different, apparently. So, I mean, it's good that he's not, like you said, like his takes have kind of been mild since then, right? He just seems depressed, ironically, because the Cowboys <laughs> are not kicked out of him every week. Right. Or they're losing like one possession games. So it's like. 
Yeah. You want to talk about the NBA now? Yeah. Let's let's uh, let's get let's, let's let's put a little bow on this with the sport. I stopped paying attention to when the season stopped. And I I I, I paid attention like moderately, and I watched game. I watched a lot of playoff basketball, surprisingly. But like, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, I I was one of those kids who cried his eyes out when Kobe died. Cause he was one of my childhood heroes. Like I still write mama mentality and in inside of my training shoes and with an eight and a 24, but to the whole LeBron winning it for Kobe thing got really irritating towards the end. Why, why is that though? Like, I, I thought that was a great storyline. Like I it was, it was, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, cool buddy. But also I'm just getting LeBron. I think what made me admire Kobe and Jordan so much is they were consummate professionals about everything. Oh, they were the worst competitors though. But here's the thing is like, I hear more about LeBron off the court half the time now with like all of his like social stuff and all like his kid and like doing a live stream from smoking weed and the showiness of the Lakers and how like it feel like a push together team. I don't know. I've got LeBron fatigue. Obviously I think 90% of the NBA who's not a LeBron fan does. But at the same time, like I wanted to see a team like the Heat win. Are you kidding me? Jimmy Butler taking all these youngsters and Goran Dragic and the dinosaur known as Udonis Haslam and stringing them up by their bootstraps and saying, "Hey, let's go get a title." And they smack teams in the face the entire postseason, and then they take on the Lakers and oh, three guys go down. Yeah, and Jimmy has to play out his mind to keep the series going. Give me one of those guys that was not a hundred percent. But he's still like I. I used to hate Jimmy Butler because we had in Minnesota, and then within months and this whole season, he's earned my respect because the dude is hysterical. I just think he thought Wiggins was a wuss and Towns was spoiled. Towns has gotten his crap together because I think D'Lo kind of gave him a right in the ribs when he got there, and the fact that they they got embarrassed over this whole Butler scandal last two seasons ago or last season. And I, I will fully admit, I picked the Heat to win 20 games this year. I was very wrong. But then again, I did not see a guy like Tyler fucking Hero dropping yeah. 25 points a game, hitting threes, or Dragic going back to his Phoenix Sun heyday, and Jimmy Butler playing like the MVP we thought he was going to be when Minnesota signed him. So to me, this whole playoffs is so crazy because you had the emergence of Jamal Murray, which is awesome. The guy is incredible. They call him, I don't even know what the hell they're calling him, some kind of mamba. I don't know, it was like, 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 it just some, it was, they made some joke about it, like, almost like a scalabrine thing, how they call him the white mamba. But what I love Jamal Murray was just like, it was a cool story. And I so thought the Lakers were done in the first round because the, the one thing they struggled with was, I gotta give them credit though, they covered every base, they turned it on in the postseason, and where the Clippers and the Bucks faltered, they did not. Even the Celtics, right? They just didn't even see like they had anything. They didn't have any fight in them where like the Nuggets, the Heat, the Lakers, um, they had this swing in their step. They wanted it, and you could tell. So even the Rockets look they like they wanted it more than the Clippers did. So I, I guess my biggest bow in the season I look at it is like I'm excited for the draft. My Timberwolves in the overall pick. I don't know if they're gonna deal it for Booker. Or Zach Levine, I've heard Bradley Beal, or are they going to take Anthony Edwards, Lamelo, or James Wiseman? I don't know what's going on, but I'm excited for the first time since like 2015. 
or the year we got Jimmy Butler and we made the playoffs for the first time since I was nine. But um, I don't know. The NBA season next year is going to be interesting because it's not starting to like what Christmas now. That's still not a lot of time, dude. Like you're literally I know getting it's a lot months. of time, but they knew this was going to happen. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah, they had months in preparation for this, but still like, you got to think like, <laughs> I think for business, I think for business wise, they have to do opening day is Christmas. So I think they'll have a shortened training camp. So they'll probably let the guys probably get, okay. So they, what the series ended what a week and a half ago. Yeah. So early October. Yeah. So two months off. Cause half those teams from the final start training camp. Like, I don't know. Summer league ends in August and they're in September. They're in training. In two months since the season ended, so it's going to be a shorter off season. But like hell, to start Christmas Day, so they probably even start training camp first month of December if they really want. First day of December if they really want to. Half these guys will still be in shape. Half the teams are already reported. Like Minnesota's already doing like uh, bubble scrimmages already with their with their team. Like I've seen like pictures of D'Lo and Towns and Nas Reed and all the guys are playing on their Instagram page. So it's like I don't. Know, I think I can pull it off. I want to see. Like with all the rescheduled games, like are they gonna finally do the good deed and put the Super Bowl on President's Day weekend so I can get locked up for the game and not have to worry about taking Monday off? <laughs> Sounds like a you problem there. I don't know if they're gonna Well, I mean I had to work the day after the Super Bowl like three years in a row, including the year my team freaking won. I had a stupid conference I had to go to where basically I had to sit there and watch some guy brag about a company that's basically a giant pyramid scheme, <coughs> New York Life. Um, and I just sat there and I had everyone saying, Congratulations, buddy. Congratulations, your Eagles won. I'm like, Thanks. I would have only been able to drink, but I had to go drive the day. I had to drive across the state to go to a Super Bowl party and then I had to get my own ride back. So, <laughs> that's all. That was brutal, man. And then my buddy, who's the only person I knew at the party, his girlfriend wanted to go to bed at like nine o'clock at night. So he left at 10. I was there with all these people. I didn't even know. Oh, poor Jerry. It's okay. And then I heard them talking while I was trying to record the Super Bowl, like walk up with the trophy, which is like once in a lifetime kind of thing. Yeah, probably most likely. Yeah. More likely than the Cowboys winning again, but, um, I listen, man, this is going to be a crazy NFL season. Uh, we were talking about our show before, uh, the Steelers are better than the Ravens. Um, the Browns suck. It's your NFC North preview. Um, yeah, the Seahawks are going to be the most opportunist team in the world. The Cardinals make no sense. Neither do the 40. The entire NFC West makes no sense because you have the Rams losing to the Niners who got their butt kicked by Miami and got smoked by and got beaten in a comeback by Travis Fulgham and Carson Wentz. Dude, this I'm just excited to see who comes out of the East as champion. We could see like a six and 10 champion. I it's think, bad. okay, so here's the thing. I thought about that too. I thought seven and nine possibly. And then I looked at our schedule, barring an injury, barring how he does what he does best. And Harry Roseman, of course, our GM for those who don't know is notorious for deadline trades. If he does what he's supposed to do, our injuries heal up. We have a pretty light schedule. We have a bye week in two weeks. We take on two minor league teams in the giants and Cowboys on the way. Um, we're barely even a pro team at this point. I think we have a shot to, you know, finish the season with nine or 10 wins. I think we only have about one. We're going to lose one of those three games. I talked about for Cleveland, green Bay, or Arizona. We're winning two out of three of those. I don't know which two, but we're, we have a good shot. winning two out of three of those. 
I could even see what we like. I could even see nine, nine, six, and one. But more realistic. But if Wentz plays like he did on Sunday, um, we get better receivers in. Goddard comes back. Sanders comes back healthy. The offensive line gets healthier. We maybe get a maybe a guard at the deadline or something like that. It's possible. This team's trying to move guys all the time. Um, maybe our corners finally get healthy. It's it's possible with us. Our schedule is not that hard. Where like I thought we were hosed, and I looked down the whole schedule. I'm like that's winnable. That's winnable. That's winnable. There's no impossible game on our schedule. The last impossible game we just played, we almost won. So I thought we were gonna get at these last two games. I thought we were gonna get smoked by Baltimore, and Pittsburgh. We lost by possession, both games. So I'm not worried. I thought I was, and then I saw my boy number eleven. Play out of his damn mind in the fourth quarter. So I'm like, that's, that's my boy. He's back. Like, I feel like that's you as a hopeful fan, hoping that things are going to turn. No, honestly, Jack. Jack, usually I'm pretty good about records. That's the kicker. Because last year I was ready to call it a day, and then I saw okay, back end we have four winnable, five, four, five winnable games. We're four and one down the stretch, and ended up winning the division. We needed some help because we need Dallas to choke. You know, thank God they always do. Um, or mostly Always there optimistic. Uh, if you want me optimistic as a fan, I could, I, I could say, Oh yeah, we're going to go, we're going to go 10, four and one, or I mean, uh, 11, four and one, but that's not realistic. Said the we're Heat not gonna... 20 games this year. Yeah. But that was, but we didn't know how good Tyler hero was going to be. Basketball is not my sport. Football is my sport. <laughs> I watch way too much film to mess that up. Like when they're like, when like, like when like people are like, yo, what's your main sport? What do you cover? I'm like pro and college football. And they're like, what about baseball? I'm like, yeah, I cover it. Basketball, I cover it, but I'm, I'm, I'm a layman at it. I'm not like, I'm not going to say I'm an expert, but I'll talk circles around you talking football percentages, coverages, everything else. Like I'm diagnosing plays at a bar, drinking Jack Daniels and beer. Just not even, even when I've had a few in me, I can even tell you what coverage the team's running before the snap goes off because I've watched so much of it. Right. So I guess the difference is like if I'm looking at Philadelphia as a roster, they have a lot of talent. It's just the injuries have been killing them. If Wentz plays even 80% of what he did on Sunday, minus the fumble, um, that seems fine. Um, er, um, I, I said on the show, last point I'll make, because I know we're, uh, we're getting to the time limit here, is um, with Green Bay – I said my symbols because, you know, we do that one sentence game. I said, I love being right. Green Bay hasn't changed a bit. They're still the softest team in the NFC. You can punch them in the mouth repeatedly and they curl up like an armadillo. Aaron Rodgers did his little Hingle McCringleberry celebration and Tampa Bay rips off 38 straight. I beat Tom Brady, but you had like guys like Jason Pierre Paul getting to the quarterback. And then Bakhtiari went out and it was all over. And Ronald Jones looked like like vintage 2008 Danian Tomlinson running through the outline of scrimmage. There was nobody stopping him. You had even Shady getting some yards. You had, and I didn't even put Fournette in for most of the game. They were still getting yards on people. I mean, I still think the Bucs are the dream team Eagles of this, of this, gen, of, this, uh, of this decade. But... We'll see what happens. The NFL this year is so weird. You're going to have to, I'll love to come back on a little bit and talk about it when it's week 15. And, you know, we have like six divisions locked up, but of course there's like seven wildcard teams still alive. So it's going to be a nightmare trying to figure out who's getting in. 
But uh, tiebreaker is going to be a, a joke. But I can say each other late in the season. What? Are we? Yeah, playing? we play each other week week uh, sixteen. Oh, so when we're both six and nine, vying for the NFC East you title. Yeah, I, I I love your I love your optimism. You think we're going to be that bad going down the stretch? I mean, look. Yeah, I mean, just also, looking at it right okay, now. So you, I know better than. I'm not saying that. I'm not. I'm not saying that. Uh, I, I know That's better. That's usually how it goes. I know. Yeah. But it, this year is 2020, man. Nothing's ever as usual. We had the Redskins look like the best defense in the NFL history week one. Oh, sorry, Washington football team. And then by week four, they're a joke. We had Derrick Henry proving that you should pay running backs while you have Zeke Elliott proving you you shouldn't. We have the Saints that are going to be the biggest joke of a division I've ever seen because they can't stop anybody. And Drew Brees has a wet noodle for an arm, but yet they're still winning without their best player who got suspended for fighting with a coach. Carson Wentz leads the league in picks right now, but he didn't throw a pick last week, but yet he's still blamed for the loss with three drop touch, two drop touchdowns, a missed field goal and two bad conversion calls. So it's this season makes no sense. I still think the best team in the cut in the league right now is either, um, it's a three-way tie, and they're all NFC teams, all AFC teams. It's either Baltimore. I mean, it's either Pittsburgh, Tennessee, or KC. I think Tennessee, Tannehill, has proven without a doubt he's a top-ten quarterback. I would take him over uh, a lot of guys who are paid a lot more than him. Uh, they have good receivers. They have exceptional defensive personnel. Mike Rabel's a great head coach. For I want to see what they can do in the playoffs, and we've proven now we can actually get them like. They can definitely um, be a dangerous team. Interesting. Do you remember that uh, that story you were going to tell me off the air? Yeah, I got you. Let's do that. Thanks for coming back on, man. And again, shout out to Belly Up Sports because Belly Up Sports is where I got my start. Uh, what's the slogan now? It's not Be Bold, Stand Out anymore. It's Oh my God! You don't know the slogan. I don't know, bro. Our here's the thing. Like I like <laughs> I do so much from the backgrounds. It just say hey, BellySports.com. Corner booth, kick that smooth jazz. Uh, Jack Daniels, uh, our Jack Daniels edition shirt. Like we literally made a Jack Daniels style shirt for our podcast, it's our official podcast shirt. So uh, go check it out. Bellyupsports.com. That's where you'll find all the content. That's where you'll find the links to the podcast, as well as all the blogs that they put out. Uh, tremendous writers over there. And then Design Tree. You guys are still with Design Tree, right? For design Tree and Teespring. Teespring does all our temporary stuff that doesn't like, you know, we can get away with pot, you know, like, hey, doing like maybe high hanging a 305 chain over the side of our uh, thing for our Miami tailgate shirt or having a Jack Daniels themed uh, show t-shirt, but like stuff like that. Like we work with both design trees, a great company, but of course they work with 35,000 other podcasts yeah. and sports networks. So design tricks. So Teespring kind of fills in the, uh, the gaps. Also first belly up hats are coming out soon. So oh, I can't wait for those. I may have to I head. I already got one coming. All right. All right, everybody listen to tick pick. listening to believe 
You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.